Last week, at our regular Thursday drop-in, a really lovely thing happened. There were six or seven of us sat around the table, drinking coffee and eating scones like usual. The conversation was flowing, a good time was being had by all. Slowly but surely, however, the conversation was moving onto a much deeper topic. People were sharing some of their anxieties over their families. One couple in particular were going through a really difficult time and were courageous enough to open up about it. The rest of us listened as well as we could. I guess we were all saddened by their difficulties and a little unsure on how to respond. Suddenly, one of the drop-in volunteers spoke up. I think we should all stop and pray, they said. Everybody immediately agreed, and that is precisely what we did. It was a beautiful and powerful moment. Amongst the tea and the scones, there was a moment of connection with God. We held up before him the pains and anxieties of this couple for their family. We asked for God to step in and help. I spoke to the couple afterwards and they said that the moment of prayer brought real comfort to them. I guess as time passes we will see how God answers that prayer in full. I have since reflected on that moment of prayer from last week. At first I felt a little bit guilty. As the minister it probably should have been me that suggested we stopped and prayed. That was clearly the right thing to do. But I'm very glad that I'm part of a church where other people have the wisdom, faith and spiritual maturity to suggest praying themselves. Once I'd got over the unhelpful feeling of guilt, I then began to reflect on why I had not made the suggestion to pray. I don't know the answer to that exactly, but perhaps it was because I was a little unsure on what to pray for. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in that position. There is a fellow believer going through difficulty. They've poured out their heart to you. You know what you want for them, but are unsure how to put that into words. I guess we have all been there. That feeling is probably what keeps a lot of us quiet in times of open prayer. It happens most of all when sorrow and sadness are present. Of course, the wonderful good news of the Bible is that the holy, sovereign God who created the universe is also our Father. He longs for us to come to him like children run in tears to their mum and dad. He doesn't care how articulate we are, how good we are with words. The fact that we run to him is all that matters. From there, he can help us. That said, though, in our passage today, We do get given a guide on what to pray for another believer when we are unsure what else to say. The Apostle Paul has just spent the previous paragraphs celebrating the great plan of God. Our God is working to put the world back together. He is working to bring his people back to him and in the process make one worldwide family. In God's plan, Jew and Gentile come together, male and female come together, young and old come together. All are one 
when they come to believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul delights in this truth. He can barely contain his excitement. In a world of constant division and animosity, the unity in God's people is a truly beautiful thing. Paul's excitement leads him to want to break off from his writing and burst out in prayer. A prayer of praise to God and a prayer for all his new brothers and sisters stretched around the world. This prayer is what makes up our reading today. But just what do you pray for other Christians, many of whom Paul would never know? When he has no idea what's really going on in their lives, what they're facing day by day, what can Paul possibly say? As he thinks of a fellow brother or sister in the farthest corner of the Gentile world, a place he will never personally travel, what can Paul ask God for on their behalf? Well, Paul knows just what to ask for. He prays that God will fill them afresh, fill them deeper with his Holy Spirit. My suggestion to us all today is that when we find ourselves with another Christian and they've expressed something of the challenges they are facing and we don't know what we should pray for them, this is a very good place to begin. We should pray that in their hour of need, God will fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit. This then begs the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? Depending on our church backgrounds, we probably have different ideas. I guess that some of us might even be a little bit nervous to pray this prayer at first because we're unsure as to what would actually happen. Well, in these verses, Paul spells out exactly what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And it has little to do with warm, fuzzy feelings or dramatic signs and wonders. Paul believes that when you pray for the Holy Spirit to fill someone's life, a work of powerful transformation takes place, by which the person is given all the resources they need to make it through the trials they face. In these few verses, Paul mentions four things that the Spirit brings to the life of a believer. The first thing the Holy Spirit brings is power. Verse 16 and 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Every Christian needs to be strengthened by God at times. We need his power to be everything he has made us to be, to play our part in his plan for the world. Be that helping a needy neighbour, sharing the gospel with a friend, standing up for what is right in the community, offering care to someone in the church, volunteering with children's and youth work or helping at the beach mission. We need God's power in order to serve him. On our own, we tire and flag and very little gets done. Every Christian also needs to be strengthened when the going in life gets tough. 
be it through illness, bereavement, family tragedy, or anxiety for loved ones. When the world seems to be crashing down around us, we need the power of God to keep us holding on to faith, even if it is just by our fingernails. So we all need strengthening at times to meet the demands of the day. But here is the wonderful news. The Holy Spirit living in our hearts can give us all the strength we need. That same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us and can sustain us moment by moment. The Holy Spirit is like a driving force that keeps us going and propels us forward. The Holy Spirit can enable us and energise us in any and every situation. Paul knows we all need to experience this power and that's why he prays for the believers to be filled by the Spirit in their inner being, that they may know Christ dwelling in them through faith. So the first thing the Spirit brings is power. The second is love. Verse 17 again. I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. Now that is only the first part of the sentence, I know. We will come on to the rest in a moment. But let us just pause here. As Christians, we need to be rooted and established in love. What did Paul have in mind when he wrote that? Well, as I said a moment ago, he has just spent the previous paragraphs excitedly describing how all God's people everywhere are joined together in one big family. The previous enemies of Jew and Gentile are now brother and sister. But we all know from our own experience of families that relatives can rub us up the wrong way. We get frustrated, we fall out, we make unreasonable demands of one another at times. These things happen not necessarily out of malice, but because we spend so much time in close proximity. At times, it's very hard to love those we live in community with. And this is especially the case when our brothers and sisters are very different to us, like the Jews and Gentiles were. Paul believes that it is the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts that helps us to get our relationships right. In another place, he describes the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are the characteristics we need to live in a close family. As Christians, we are united in Christ. It is through faith in his death and resurrection that brings us into the family of God. But it is the Holy Spirit that helps bind us to one another day by day, rooting and establishing us more and more in a community of love. The Spirit reminds us that we are loved and helps us to love others. At times we all need help with that. If every Christian allowed the Spirit to lead them into deeper relationships with the rest of the church, the church would grow enormously. So the first thing the Spirit brings to us is power. The second is love for one another. The third is assurance. 
Let us put this sentence of verses 17 to 19 together now in full. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul believes that as the Spirit dwells in our heart, the Spirit brings us into a deeper awareness, a deeper sense of God's love for us. Paul is quick to state that God's love for his people is so great, it actually surpasses our full knowledge and understanding. We will never fully take in why God was prepared to send his only son to die the most agonising death in our place. It will always be a mystery, a wonder. But the Spirit will lead us into knowing enough. In fact, with the Spirit at work in our life, we will come to a place where we feel totally secure in God's love. God's love is wide enough to encompass all humanity, Jew and Gentile, me and you. We never need fear that God's love does not stretch to us. God's love is long enough to last for all eternity. It will never run out. We will never wake up one morning and it not be there. God's love is high enough to draw us up to God who sits in the heavenly realms. God's love is deep enough to reach the deepest sinner. It reaches to us no matter who we are or what we have done. The Holy Spirit is always trying to take us deeper into the love of God. The Spirit is always trying to open our eyes more and more to what the cross means. In chapter 1 of this letter, Paul wrote that the Spirit is like a deposit, a seal, guaranteeing our place in glory. As we become more and more aware of the Spirit at work in us, we gain a deeper sense of assurance that we can take with us into our daily lives. As the old hymn said, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. With the spirit at work in us, we know that God will hold on to us come what may. He will keep us through our greatest difficulties through question and doubt, trial and storm, in the hospital bed and when standing at the graveside, we can face our future with full assurance because of the love of God. So the Spirit brings power, love and assurance. There's one thing left. Paul believes that when the Spirit dwells within us, we come to know fulfilment. Verse 19. I pray that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I think it's fair to say that the whole world is looking for a sense of fulfilment. Every human being is looking for satisfaction, wholeness, peace. We look high and low for it. We chase this elusive quality in our careers and our relationships, our hobbies and our spending, but we never find it. The Bible is clear we only ever find full fulfilment in God. Paul believes that when the Spirit dwells within us, the Spirit fills us up. 
Like empty vessels being filled to the brim, we are filled to the measure, filled to the fullness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have days when I feel really satisfied and others when I feel less so. I cannot say I feel completely fulfilled all the time. Paul acknowledges that reality. As he writes this verse, there is a sense of movement, a sense of direction and becoming. As Christians, we are becoming full. That is why we can pray for someone to go on being filled by the Spirit. The Spirit was what helped us come to faith in the first place. The Spirit entered our hearts when we first put our trust in Jesus. But we need to go on receiving. We need to go on being filled by the Spirit. The great evangelist D.L. Moody was once asked why he urged Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. Well, he said, I need continual infilling because I leak. He pointed to a water tank which had sprung a leak. I'm like that, he said. It's a fact that living in this sinful world, we do need to be replenished by the Spirit. As Christians, the Spirit is helping us day by day become more like Jesus. We will be fully fulfilled when we fully represent his likeness. And that will happen on the day we see him face to face. But until that day comes, God's Spirit can bring this great sense of satisfaction and peace in life. The Spirit enables us to stop striving after worldly things and rest content in the love of God. So the Holy Spirit brings power and love, assurance and fulfilment into our lives. I hope we can agree that these are four things we would want for every believer to come to know more and more of. So if we find ourselves in a position where we really do not know what to pray for someone, pray for this. Pray that the Holy Spirit might fill and indwell more and more of their life. Since studying this passage and writing this sermon, I'm trying to commit to pray this for my dear friend and brother Jim, and for Riona too. Maybe you would like to do the same. But of course, we can do this for any brother and sister in Christ who we are concerned about at this time. Our reading finished with words of benediction. Paul wrote in verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever Amen. We can never put a limit on God. He can answer our prayers in amazing ways. But let us always remember this. When he does, we must turn to give all the glory to him. We should praise him publicly for what he has done and share testimony with others. But Paul has a little more in mind than just that. He believes that as the church begins to act with power and love, as Christians step out in full assurance to take on great challenges, as God's people become more and more what they can be, a great impact will be made on the surrounding world. God's plan will be furthered. His kingdom will come. 
and more and more lives will be given to him. It's not just we who benefit from being filled by the Spirit, but God benefits from having a Spirit-filled people in the world. Truly, in the end, all the glory will go to him. With that in mind, let's get praying.